back from nothing in the soil in the earth, breaking through the rocks, growing wild and tall till the buds begin to pop. Pack me in a bowl, or roll me in a splint. Are you breaking me down? You can feel your Hey, this is Ryan Heron here from Portland, Oregon, and I'm with Amanda Breeze, and I am finally back in Toronto. <laughs> yes. Uh, today's episode, we're digging into what we got into for 420. We hope you guys all had uh, a great day of smoking weed and celebrating it a little outside of the norm. Um, uh, Amanda had a hell of a time. Oh, yeah. And I want to dig into that today. So, so what did you get into? Honestly, I would I would say that this definitely would have to be one of my most memorable 420s of all time. Hands down. Like I was like one foot away from Afro Man. <laughs> yes. I touched him. I was standing there being like, should I touch him? Should I touch him? I was like, don't touch people. That's weird. But he was literally less than arm's length away. And I was like, holy shit. That's a big deal. I love that. Also, Afro Man has been great because his house was recently raided. Um, they were literally only looking for weed. And um, he got it all on camera of them like raiding his house and turn it into a little fun song. And the music video. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's good for him, man. You know, if you're going to, that's really making lemonade out of some lemons there. Well, I would say that he still got it. You know, of course he played because I got high, the crowd went wild. Um, it was, Vancouver, we were in Vancouver, British Columbia. It was pouring rain, like Oof. torrential freaking downpour. Um, it was, the the park was muddy. It was very chaotic. Um, the rain was such a, oh, such a nuisance. Um, I hate being wet. That's my least favorite river. Uh, and he went out there. He went out there and gave it, and the crowd was going wild. And man, it was great. That was probably one of my 420 highlights for sure. We'll get to the other highlight here, which was the world's biggest joint. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, like 420 in general has, uh, has kind of teetered that line between like kind of cool and kind of embarrassing for the weed community. Uh, you know, we community is always in my mind, like approaching the, let's <laughs> kind of too much, uh, black light poster stonery dude thing. Uh, but I've had some good four twenties. Um, let's hear your top four twenty story. Oh my God. Okay. I bet you, if I could like sit down and look through all my photos, I'd be like, Oh yeah, I did smoke a joint with Afro man. I just totally forgot. <laughs> Uh, but what I do remember is, uh, as, as a, a younger man, uh, going to Ann Arbor, Michigan for hash bash, which was a big thing every year. You know, I would go to like summer festivals where you would camp out and people would walk around and they'd have their little like pelly cases full of glass that they blew. Um, but hash bash was like on a whole other level where there would just be like, you know, little little areas set up where um, all the glass blowers could hang out, and you could go and you could look at like three hundred pieces. But I'm, I'm like so used to like the little head shop guy where you'd go in and you'd say, "I, I recognize these are for tobacco use only. Could I get the one on the left?" You know. So uh, my my favorite chillum that I ever purchased, I can still picture it today. 
um, was was from Hashbash. I loved it. It had like the perfect little hole and the amount that you could pack and it burned up so nicely. And when I lent it to a friend who promised me he would not break it, laughed so hard when he gave me back the broken pieces. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it still stings years and years later. Um, but it was cool just being in like that, that like kind of open consumption atmosphere and uh, amongst the folks, uh, it, it felt really good. You know, I, I moved away from glassware, uh, you know, a few years ago because I, I would also get really emotionally attached to my pieces and then inevitably they break, it's made of glass and I can think back to some of my favorite bowls and glass pieces that I've lost over the years so fondly, but only in my memory. Yeah, truly only in my memory because um, these weren't things I was taking pictures of at the time. Um, this is way before digital cameras, so there's no like historical record of these things. Uh, yeah, that's that's it, right? You either remember it or it's it's gone forever, or you don't, <laughs> <laughs> right? Speaking of 420, uh, yeah, you know, I, I it was always one of those things where if I went out, it was about being in the amongst the people. Um, I, I think like Hall of Flowers is probably the closest thing I've come to since then, where there's like all of these like chill lounge spots where you can smoke and it's all, uh, in this point, it's no longer community, it's industry, which let's not confuse the two. Um, but you know, still in that, like, Hey, we're all having fun. We're all here for the same reason. Uh, it's a good time. You know, that's such a good point because I really do feel the same now. It's the, that shift of community to industry has really changed cannabis events, has really changed the dynamics when you attend weed parties. And yeah, you really feel that. I did experience the throwback community vibes on 419. Okay. Um, I ended up at uh, the new Amsterdam Cafe, which is a pretty well-known weed cafe in Vancouver, British Columbia. It's been around for I don't even know, maybe 20 years, let's say at least 15. It's It's been there since the black market days, which says a lot. Yeah, I think that's when I where I found weed when I went to Toronto 10 years ago, to Vancouver, excuse yes. me. Yes, yeah, that would be the place to go in the black market days for sure. It was super well known and kind of grimy and sort of like a cave and had like, you know, the weird uh, cartoony type um, murals on the wall and shit. Like it was very of that era. I went back for the first time in probably like 10 years on 419 and they've revamped it completely. It's super modern and has like super nice. It's it's still comfy. Like it's still really comfy. It's such a nice space. And then the basement they were hosting kind of like a can of cup. So by the time I got there, there was like, you know, 50 people in this little room. It was completely hotboxed. And um, one of my absolute favorite comedians was doing a show there. So that was so fun because Mike Rita fucking rules. He's so fucking funny. And, um, and he's Portuguese. I'm half Portuguese. So he does this whole Portuguese thing as well that really resonates with me in my childhood. And uh, anyway, he performed and it was so freaking delightful. I had such a good night. I got so stoned, but that stoned where you just like your face hurts because you're smiling. And it was like such a good 419 party. And the vibe was community cannabis 
scene. It was a lot of old heads in the room who've been around for 20, 30 years, um, different growers, just people that love smoking weed. And everyone was going crazy for all the flavors and the smells in the cup. And it was just like such good vibes. I absolutely had the best time. Um, and that happened very randomly because uh, my flight was delayed, which went to a whole series of unintended events. And that was probably one of the perks of the weekend. That was highlight of the weekend for me, for sure. Number one, Afroman. Number two, Mike Rita. Um, <laughs> and number three, the joint itself. Um, yes. But yeah, the community vibe is kind of lacking at certain events. So this was definitely, this. It, it was a good throwback. I liked it. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, a lot of you know that I write for the Oregon Leaf Weed Magazine here on the West Coast. And we have our big Oregon Cup coming up uh, in about three weeks on May 21st. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Last year they had, um, they were really, they were able to split the consumption into cannabis. And then you could like walk through a hole in the fence and get beers and drinks on the other side. Nice. So it was like separate by like, a fence that you could stand at and like talk with someone on the other side. Um, but the space in general was like big and open. And um, because Oregon is kind of a small community, especially weed at this point, it felt so much more like a community thing than like, Oh yeah, I was paid to like, make sure my company's edibles make it into this competition. We're really hoping to get six awards this year or whatever. It was more like, Hey, I can't believe Jim won that award. Fuck that guy. His weed's no good. How in the world did he win? And then they're chatting about it and I'm getting in the middle of it. Um, so yeah, that, that felt way more, um, like what, what I want these events to be like. So I, I hope this year is a repeat of last year. Hell yeah. Yeah. I like the legacy legal fusion. For me, yes. these days. I like a good fusion moment where you got all the OGs in the room. They're smoking tough. Um, and you got all the noobs in the room. They're smoking tough. And everyone's just having a good time. But I think inviting the legacy market and the legacy, pe the people really, is what makes a difference of a fun event and in just a normal networking event, you know, which is what a lot of them end up being. Right. And you know what, like, even from when I was in the food industry, um, the events where you, you go and you do it a couple of years and you realize like, oh, I'm, my company's not making any money at this. Like maybe we catch a little PR, but what it really ends up being about is commiserating with all of the other people who are there. And you're like, oh, this season, how about this new tax proposal? And man, this sucks. And all right, give me a hug. See you at the next one. Yeah. And without those, like, you know, if you only go to one of those a year, people stop connecting with you and no, you're no longer the old head. You're like the guy that people are like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. So it's just funny, like how uh, you sort of have to like show up to just just be in people's memory, you know, and, and be hanging around still. Yeah, I think for me, the big the thing I noticed is when I flew out to Van, I brought a ton of smoking spot stickers. I brought a bunch of flyers for the aroma wheel and I brought a ton of business cards. And the only thing I handed out were the stickers. And yes. it's just because that wasn't the place to be like, oh, here's a project I'm working on. Here's my business card. Like, and I actually loved it. I was like, this is so much more fun than um, handing out business cards and seeing if anyone gets back to you. But also, I will say the stickers were fucking fire. Yes. I got a lot of sweet slaps while I was at the event. People really have good stickers right now. And you know they're what? just taking them away. I'm like, yeah, yes. it's cool. Go, go heavy on your stickers. Hire the best 
the best artist you can go for like the crazy die cut, you know, like have fun with that because I have spent like $2 per business card before because I thought, Ooh, this will leave an impression. And I, they're all sitting in my garage. Every sticker I've ever printed is stuck up somewhere. So just do that. And the cooler, the better, the more limited edition, the like, this is spring 2023, like do all that cool shit. It's what's up. Plus I was slapping funky spot stickers all over van city, popping them around, giving them out. So I think anyone who lives there is going to see a lot. Yeah, send it our way. We will send you something. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Thanks for spreading the word. Um, I've got my little handful of uh, smoking spot stickers here that are are going up around Portland. So let's, but hey, if you're part of the smoking spot street team, send us a self addressed stamp envelope, and I will hook you up. Is that a I've thing anymore? Heard that in a long time. I know. Uh, I could probably reach deep into my memory for the. Uh, America's funniest home videos uh, address that you were supposed to send <laughs> your grandpa getting hit, you know, like that, that was a big part of me growing up watching think, terrible America funniest home videos. I also used to watch that, but I think we've already aged ourselves twice in this episode. Oh. The first one being that we have no pictures of our first four twenties um, <laughs> and not just the first many. many. <laughs> right. And now we remember what self-addressed stamp envelopes are. And you know what? If you are young enough to to just be like, those guys, you don't know what it was like trying to hide a high times behind a Sports Illustrated (laughs) bookstore, okay? You don't know what it was like to try and find the the most hidden spot where you could stick your like $5 bag of weed because if anyone found it, boy, you'd be in trouble. Oh, you'd be in trouble. That's for damn sure. Uh, you know what? Here's my homage to Canada today is that I saw some ketchup flavored chips, Doritos, actually. They put them out for summer, ketchup and mustard. And I thought, you know what? I'm grabbing these both today. Ketchup for my Canadian pals, mustard because I love the stuff. And then I will have some sort of summary taste test where I can compare the two. Oh my God. Like you guys cannot see my face right now. I am shooketh because ketchup Doritos have a long-standing history in my life, like on a personal level, <laughs> like on a personal level. Ketchup, I'm like, I'm quavering in my When brain. I saw them, I was like, okay, got to get them. There's no way I'm going to eat a whole bag of these things. But I mean, for science, I got to get into it. Maybe I will. Maybe it's my new favorite thing. I don't know. Okay. First of all, ketchup Doritos are arguably the best flavor. I know a lot of people are going to say sweet chili heat, but I'm telling you, it's a mix of the ketchup flavoring and the corn chip really works so, and the texture, like it's really quite well-rounded experience, flavor and texture. Um, I would say that when asked, I'm a chip person, what my favorite chip in in the world is, it would be ketchup Doritos. And I would say that for the last 20 five years, 20 years, let's say 20 years, because I first tried them when I was a kid and they were limited edition and then they disappeared. And 15 fucking years later in my late twenties, they brought them back. 
for like a month as a limited edition. And I was like, oh my God, I never thought I'd see the day where ketchup Doritos were back on the shelf. I remember. And I was so stoked. So I was buying them every single day because I wanted Doritos to know we want the ketchup Doritos. We want them to stay. Right. You're like, I got to get these, these numbers up. They need to know people love this stuff. That's what I tried to do. So I was eating a lot of ketchup Doritos at the time, getting everyone to buy ketchup Doritos. And they lasted for a few months. And then slowly you could see them dwindling on the shelves and then they were gone. And I thought, oh no, this might be the last. It's been 20 years since the last time. How long do I have to wait? And they did bring them back. They brought them back a couple years later. I think it's thanks to me. I personally emailed Doritos. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like this ketchup yes. Doritos are my fucking jam, dude. And I they're love. actually gone again. They brought them back and now I haven't seen them around at all. And now I know. They, just, they drove the trucker full of the ketchup seasoning across the border into Wisconsin or wherever they make Doritos uh, for the West Coast. And um, they're just cranking them out over there. So guys like me can enjoy them this summer. Now I'm especially stoked and I cannot wait to just get ripped out of my mind to the point that I forget that I have them. And then I go and I open my cupboard like, oh, what am I going to eat? And they're just like shining and golden. And there's like, it's backlit. And I'm just like, oh, that. That's uh, exactly how I feel when I see them. <laughs> you know, as as like a, a super stoner or somebody who's like high all the time, I really don't get a lot of the like weed effects, you know, like, like weed doesn't make me super hungry. I probably smoke like three times a day before I even eat anything. You know, I don't get the munchies. Um, I don't get that like motivation killer where I'm like, oh, now I just need to sit on the couch and relax. I'm like, okay, I smoke. Now let's wash these dishes and answer these emails, you know? And so my wife, who does not smoke a ton, but will, you know, step out with me for a joint at the end of the night, immediately is like, I'm done answering emails. Show me where the ice cream is. And I'm so envious of that because me as like an all day, like coffee, wheat, coffee, wheat. I just am like maintaining my energy levels all day, but she gets to actually relax and be like, Oh, have you tried crushed up chips on this thing? I'm like, Oh, give me some of that. Ooh. Yeah. I highly recommend crushing up the ketchup Doritos on things. I, oh, that's a good call. Actually. I want to put them on like a cold sandwich. That sounds, that sounds like appropriate maybe with the mix. I don't know. We're going to get making me really fucking jealous right now. Cause we don't have them anymore. So it's a good thing I'm coming to Oregon. So I can just like stock up on a bunch of ketchup chips and bring them back to Canada, which is like, obscene that should be illegal that i have to get ketchup chips in another country and bring them back for my enjoyment like what right the they're gonna run the little like dust detector on your baggage and then we dust they don't care about that anymore but when they notice that it's you know oh what is this ketchup dust yeah open those bags up let's see what are you trying gonna to sweat my hands i'm gonna be i'm fucked because i'm gonna well, eat so many ketchup chips in oregon we don't really have all dressed here and mm. that's that's more of a canadian thing every now and then they'll like you know, kick us some pity bags of all dressed and, uh, and I'll, I'll get into that. That um, is true. There is a brand here that I still need to find that apparently only distributed to prisons until like five years ago when they got a little like buzz. And, um, it's, it's sort of like an all dressed, but it's basically like all the flavoring from all the chips, just like heavily loaded onto them. Oh, that sounds amazing. I cannot recall what they're called, um, but they, they definitely have like a found in prison type of name to them. And, uh, you know, I think, I think I need to be keeping an eye out for these special edition. 
Absolutely. Also, I would say that in the States, the most comparable chip to a classic Canadian ruffles all dressed would be voodoo, the voodoo chips, the black. Yeah. I forget what they're called. Yeah, I think it's just voodoo, right? Oh, yeah, the voodoo flavor. Yeah, yeah, that it's like and it's the black bag. I think it's it's close, but arguably better. Those are good. And uh, they also do like a voodoo potato stick. If you can find those, the little, I don't even know if anybody eats these anymore besides me, but if I see them, I'll get them. And it is basically like a dehydrated potato strand. Um, we, those are very popular here, but they really? have like hickory sticks. Really? Okay. Okay. Well, we got on here to talk about 420 and it's no <laughs> surprise that we're like, did you try this Reese's with the peanut butter on the outside? Whoa. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think this is great because I actually on the airplane on the way to 420 met the snack man um, from the snacks of life podcast. Wow. Um, and he is like a, I just saw a guy wearing tie dye at the airport and my flight was delayed seven hours. So we were there for a very long time. And I just walked up to him. I was like, yo, tie dye, you going to van for 420 or what? And he's, we got into a whole snack conversation too. Cause he's the fucking snack guy in Ontario. And he brings in all these rare snacks that you can't find here and releases them. And his podcast is really fun. It's with Mike Rita, my favorite comedian. And they eat snacks and get hella blazed. And they, it's amazing. So we had a really good chat about snacks. So I'm, I'm in the zone. I'm I, all about that. Snack. You know what I mean? And, and you know what, that, that kind of like comes down to what I did for 420. Um, the, the weather here was, was garbage as well. You know, it's Portland. It's always raining. No problem. We walk out. Nobody uses umbrellas here. Like you just get wet. It's okay. It was raining fucking sideways that day. So you could not smoke a joint without it getting super wet or you couldn't like i was trying to go to all these food and weed events because that's kind of that's my milieu right there and uh it was the rain literally and figuratively put a damper on the whole thing uh i still went and, and checked out a couple of things uh number one was potland the dispensary the, um these guys uh, the owner jake is just like a cool weed guy. He's total legacy. He knows exactly what the heads are in there to buy. The shelves of his shop are like clap, 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 clap. Like all fresh weed, all like the top shelf stuff is looking banging. And then the like mid-tier stuff is all like a really good value. So nothing in there is like crumbs or cheap for the sake of being cheap or has been sitting in the back for longer than they knew what to do with. It's just... I, I can't say enough about their like rotation schedule in the shelves because so many other dispensaries are fucking that up and like tucking away pounds in the back for like months. And when they finally put them out, they're all dried and shitty. And they're like, why can't we get premium price for this? That's how much we paid for it. Anyway, they also had food. They had some tamales. They had some pizza. Ooh, tamales. I, like from tamale boy here. When you yeah. come to Poland, we're going, um, so anyway, though it was like kind of shitty out and the crowds were like definitely depressed, let's say, uh, it was it was a good time. And there was lots of great folks who were willing to like step around the corner and smoke a half a wet joint. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that. 
And then I went to go see the boys over at Ruthie's, which is a, a food cart here. Um, you've probably maybe seen them on like Netflix, Go Feed Phil. They're like a really well-known food cart here. And um, I, I interviewed them uh, for the magazine a few months ago. And I said, all right, so what's a brick and mortar situation look like? When do you guys, you know, when would you ever move up from a food cart to the next thing? And they were like, never. The, they're like, we just set our menu to sell out every day. And then we want to live this like luxe life of freedom. So the cart is where it's at. Um, yeah, Colin and Aaron over there are like the best dudes. They took an old wood fired pizza cart and they were like, why do we need to make pizza? And they're just like grilling pork chops in there and making these insane salads. And they did like a crunch wrap carrot salad for 420. They did a good humor strawberry shortcake bar cake. They were just like doing fun stoner riffs on things. So um, I even grabbed my kid for that one. I was like, come on, let's go and and chill and hang out and uh, kick back and have some good grub. So pretty relaxed, pretty chill, like just some snacks and a little bit of rain and some good weed. But that was my 420 this year. That sounds perfect. That's the best case scenario. Good, good food. Hell yeah. Yeah. You know, I like, I, I was glad to not have to do anything that was like so industry focused where you're just going to talk to people that are like, you had to come here too. Yeah, me too. Great. Cool. Talk to you soon. And I like that you said 419 was like for the folks who were like there to connect. And then all of those people showed up at 420. So it never felt like you were stuck at some corporate thing. No. And the crew in van. So as you know, I was part of the team to roll the world's biggest joint. For yes. the Tell us about like how this whole thing kicked off. I'm very curious. So I heard about it a few months ago um, from my friends at Blunts and Beans Camp Canna. And uh, I was like, yo, I want in on this. Um, this is amazing. So Dale reached out. He was the organizer um, from Fuck You to Genetics. And he basically organized this whole thing. He put together the team. Um, he organized all the weed and the sponsors. Empire Rolling Papers helped sponsor. And they also provided the paper um, and organized this whole thing. But what was so awesome was actually getting to meet all the people because they're all, a lot of them were based out of um, Alberta, which is a place I haven't spent too much time over the past few years. Um, and there is such a thriving cannabis community there. Uh, a lot of folks, again, from legacy to legal or still in the legacy space, um, providing high dose edibles and just weed to people who need it. Um, so just an amazing team. A lot of the folks came from legacy. And I think that's why it was such good vibes. So yeah, Dale reached out and then, yeah, I booked my ticket and I went out there. Unfortunately, I decided to buy the cheap tickets, which I always do, because why would I pay 800 bucks when I could pay like 80? So I flew on an airline called Lynx, which to be fair, I've never heard of. Oh, same. Um, <laughs> literally never heard of it. And so I went and it was, you know, first flight of the day, you know, so I had to be up at like five in the morning to get to the airport and all that fun morning airport stuff. And of course I was very punctual and everything's running smoothly. Uh, my bag was a little oversized. They overlooked it. Um, so I was like, I'm winning today. Cause yeah, it's like a hundred bucks to bring a carry on with these. Yeah. You must have some skills because they're always just like, well, I don't know. Throw your belt away. I don't know. What, what can I do for you? You, you know? know what? Here's what I say every time. Hot tip. Cause I fly a lot. 
I just kind of kick the bag and I just say, it's mostly a jacket. It'll fit. It's really squishy. And I just treat it like it's kind of a piece of shit. And like, for some reason, people are just like, oh yeah, I guess it'll squish. Meanwhile, I'm like, it's pat. I like, I army roll my clothes. I got my sleeping bag and a compression sack. So just tell them it's a jacket and it'll fit. And for some reason, I don't want to jinx it, but it always works. Because I'm actually flying Lynx in a couple weeks to go back to the West Coast. So I'm hoping the good vibes keep rolling. I love that you're like, look, nobody's paying too much attention here. You're not going to break my shampoo. Just get that, get it going. You know, as long as it arrives where I'm at, I'm in good shape. Yeah, that's the thing. So you just got to kick it around. They usually let it on for free. Um, so I was feeling great. I was like, oh, I dodged a bullet. This is fantastic. And then uh, we all get on the airplane and the nothing is happening for a little longer than it should have. Um, they keep making announcements where they're like, oh, we'll be heading out shortly. Um, and then we're not moving. And it seems, you know, a few minutes pass and then a few more. And suddenly we've been sitting there for like half an hour. And you're like, oh, this is kind of weird. Turns out one of the flight attendants got violently ill and had to get off the airplane. So they make this announcement that we're short one flight attendant. Folks, we have to deplane. You guys got to get off the airplane. It's not happening. Your, your arm didn't immediately go in the air like, hey, I will open ginger ales for these people. Let's go. Well, and that's the thing on Lynx. The reason it's so cheap is they don't provide anything. Like they straight up have a huge sign before you get on where they're like, there is no food. There is no drinks. There is no electric. There is no movies. There is no nothing. If you need to charge your phone, charge it. If you think you're going to get hungry, go get a snack because this plane has literally nothing. So everyone's like the flight attendants are there for emergencies. That's why they're there. We're not going to shit on flight attendants. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I said the same thing. I was like, you guys don't even serve water. Can we not run this thing with three people? Um, <laughs> I deplane. I'm pissed. Yes, and with then, good reason. You know, when you leave the plane, you exit the plane door, and then there's like a series of ramps to get you back to the airport. Around the first turn is a man in a flight attendant's uniform, white as a fucking piece of paper, kind of slunched over looking like they're dying and every single person who left the plane walked past the dying flight attendant and the vibe went from what the fuck to oh my god that man is literally dying so i don't know i swear he could have been a wax figure if i had an airline i'd set one of those up on the corner too because i went from a 10 to like a minus 10 because i was like oh this is actually serious um, this person is violently ill. I yeah, it went from like, get me to my hotel to like, okay, look, I just don't want this guy to die and it to be partially my fault. Oh my God. I was very concerned. So the vibe in the waiting room was so chill because everyone had to walk past this guy in the wheelchair with the paramedics. And it was actually really like, oh, this is real. So everyone saw that. And then, you know, the flight keeps getting delayed and delayed. My baby bro works at the airport. So he came and hung out with me, which is really nice. Um, that's rad. Was um, he like, hey, look, I brought you some coffee from behind the scenes. Here you go. Yeah, it was just cute because I was lying on the ground like a crazy raccoon, just like I live here now. Um, and he's in his he's in his full bulletproof uniform and everything. And he just came and kind of booted me a little. And I was like, yeah, what the fuck? You know, he's my little bro. So people in the room were like, what is going on with those two? <laughs> but I, he's been traveling and I've been traveling. So I actually haven't seen him in a couple months. So oh, it, was, nice. it was great to see him because it's been, we live in the same city, but we've been back and forth so much. So anyway, that's an aside. Let's get to the fucking point here. Um, so hey, I want to hear about your baby brother too. Don't, <laughs> don't leave those off the... 
the story here. I know. And we even, we took a selfie and sent it to our mom because like, uh, you know, it, was just, it was very cute. Um, so it was really, that was a highlight as well, seeing my little broski um, in his uniform too. It was very cute. Anyway, the flight got fucking delayed like seven hours. Ugh. Straight up. I was stuck there for hours. Like it was absolutely nuts. Okay. So and I do have to ask. I, I typically am flying with cartridges and edibles and usually flour. <laughs> Did you bring anything? I mean, you were going from one weed city to the next. It's not like you needed it, but I, I, I'm like, I got to have my little something or uh, I might I might not be in the best mood. Honestly, I sat there the whole time thinking, why didn't I bring anything with me? Yeah. Well, that'll teach you. I... I was thinking the same. I'm leaving Toronto. I had a little bit of weed, obviously, but like you can't smoke in the airport. So I just was thinking about it a lot. And also because of the situation, I was like, should I just leave? And we have a express. I live 25 minutes on the express from the airport. So like I could have gone home and gone back, but they were like, we can't change your boarding pass. So if you leave, you might not get back in even to go smoke. Oh, and they're always like, the flight's delayed another 15 to 25 minutes. And you're like, I would never get a cab. I mean, 15, 25 minutes, seven hours go by. And you're like, I could have gone home and taken a nap. Just, just yeah. let me know. Yeah. So anyway, seven hours later, we get on the airplane. I've made a new friend. So I, whatever, I, I'm used to airports. I was having a fine time. I wasn't even stressed. I was like, whatever, it's 419. I don't even have to be here till tomorrow. Um, so I'm just chilling. Uh, we get on the airplane and they actually made an announcement that the flight attendant had appendicitis and they were in surgery. Ah, okay. I've had my appendix taken out. It's bad. It's not, it's not nice. He was, he was close to dying. So oh, I'm he, glad they like zipped him away. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. He looked like he was dying and I actually appreciated the update, but I also felt like it was a tactic because everyone on the plane was like, Oh, damn that was so you're i feel like you're less likely to complain these are some hot tips for airlines if you ever find yourself in a similar situation seriously you know what just take your your least tan flight attendant put them in a wheelchair give them like a damp look maybe with a spray bottle um and just like a dead look in their eyes and you can get away with anything sorry guys there's no wi-fi in the flight today but look at this guy yeah Exactly how it went down. So anyway, we finally get on the plane. So I was supposed to arrive before noon, but I ended up arriving around like 6, 7 p.m., um, which again, I was like, oh, whatever. I'm just going to go to my friend's house, hang out, get some food. Um, so I end up getting off the plane and getting a slew of messages on my phone. And basically the rolling team decided that because of the rain, which you also experienced, it was torrential downpour. Um, they didn't feel like we could roll it on site on 420. So they decided to roll it that day in a nearby city. But by the time I got the messages, they were freaking halfway through rolling the thing. The city was Surrey. It was over an hour away. Um, it's like 7.30, almost 8 p.m. I'm like, well, I can't rent a car. The Uber is like 150 bucks and the bus is two hours. Like, I've been in an airport for the past 12. So I didn't freaking make it to the rolling party. I have to imagine the transport of this joint, like the big wide load trucks that have like a, the passenger truck behind them. That's just like following to make sure everything's good. 
Um, I'm just, I'm, I know that's not the case, but I'm picturing that with this joint, you know? Um, you know what? You're pretty close. So they ended up rolling them in two pieces. Um, the total length was around 35 feet. Ooh, damn. So they split it into two. And then um, an Empire Rolling provided these really long papers. And then they took those two joints, they put them on a, a truck, like someone's truck. I don't know what to call it, a flatbed truck. They put the back down. They had a big piece of plywood. They wrapped the whole thing in tarps. Um, and they drove it an hour in the fucking rain wow. to Thornton Park in Van City. Wow. Um, Yes. in the morning so i got there in the morning um the park was awesome it was a huge legacy festival people were just had jars of weed everywhere crazy edibles crazy joints and canagars and snacks and like everything and it's pouring rain there's it was there were so many people there for how crazy it was hot deals stunning weed it was absolutely divine um and just black market as fuck what was your uh were you just smoking freely? Like, hand me that wet joint. Yum, 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 yum. Thank you. Yeah. Passing it off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was tons of joints floating around. Um, and a lot of people at the festival, they had a full stage with live music. Obviously, Afro Man performed. Um, Mercules, who's a popular hip hop artist, also performed. Um, just tons of cool performers were there. The stage all day. Um, and then they showed up with the joint. It was the funniest shit I've ever seen. Cops kept walking by. There was a police presence, but they did stay outside the festival. They were just kind of like, maybe a handful of cops. Like, I'm not into it, but it's legal. So they were just kind of there because I think. Yeah. You know what? Hey, crowd control, not a bad thing. Yeah. And so they weren't, but they walked by. They were like, what's that? And we were like, a little nervous because we actually exceeded the personal limit. So if they wanted trouble, they could have given us trouble because you're only allowed allotted a certain amount per person. Mm. So we very much exceeded that with 65 pounds of weed. But they well, didn't. They weren't. The joint is mine. It's my legal limit of like six ounces or whatever, and the yeah. six ounces next to it are my friends. Yeah. It was. It was like, oh, are they going to do anything? But no, they were actually fucking impressed. They were like, holy shit. That's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And they were super stoked on it. Um, so then we unloaded the joints. We set up these big tents and then a bunch of long tables all the way down and set the joint up all the way across. Um, so even though I didn't get to roll the official joint, I was on the fusion team. So I got my hands in the glue and we put the two joints together and made sure that there were no holes in the paper. Um, the thing was like almost a foot wide. It was so insane. Real quick. Yeah. Amanda's there. I'm not. I've got FOMO. And so I'm like, oh, I'll put a post up on, <laughs> on the smoking spot. And, uh, you know, I reach into my AI art and I'm, I'm conjuring up the world's greatest, world's largest joint, you know, and it, it spits me out an image of people who are basically rolling a hay bale sized joint, like, like comically large, like as big as a person. And I was like, Oh, this is funny. I'll use this image. And people will be like, world's largest joint. Cool. I had like six or seven people write to me and be like, that's ridiculous. How why even roll a joint that big when you can't smoke it? And I'm like, a, a computer spit this image out. This is not Amanda rolling the world's largest joint. That looks much more realistic. Uh, so yeah, I, I thought it was kind of funny that people had that like knee jerk reaction to a gigantic joint. 
You know, I, I think that's kind of almost what I pictured going into this. But I will say, for all the naysayers out there, we did smoke it. It was smoked. It happened. And the whole contraption was absolutely majestic. I've just been, I'm going to put together some content, some videos, throw them up um, so people can see what it was like because it was so insane. And the crowd was like, what the fuck? This is crazy. Um, they had a huge blowtorch on one end. Uh, I've been told not to reveal the industry secret of how we actually got this giant thing to smoke. So there were some techniques involved. Um, and then publicly what people saw, I can reveal this, was the blowtorch on one end and then a huge um, like leaf blower on the other end that was like sucking. So you were smoking. This is too much already. I, I might have to censor some of this. We might have to beep some of this out. Yeah, it was insane. And the filter was so cute. And every time I walked by it, seeing the smoking spot logo on it was just such a vibe. I'm so happy that we got to be there. I'm so stoked that I got to be a part of it and that we pulled it off. You know, a lot of chaos happened. I wasn't the only one who got delayed and didn't make it, but the crew came together. Everyone was so nice. It was such a good community vibe. And yeah, man, I like greatest 420 of all time. I literally got to be world's biggest joint attempt and it was a resounding success. It it's happened. Awesome. It's cool that you guys were able to pull that off because here that's not happened. Congrats. I, I love it. I think it's so cool. And I, as much as it's kind of like, uh, you know, for promo or for attention or, or marketing, nothing about this whole event seemed like gross or dripping in sponsors or like, you know, Comerica Bank today brings us the largest joint. It was none of that. Yeah. Um, and so was, I thought, what a cool thing for Amanda to be a part of. It was so grassroots. And the whole team, everyone who was involved in organizing and then participated in the actual joint rolling and the grinding and all that, they're all people who are just like us, who have their small hustles in the cannabis industry, they're passionate about weed. It was just all what I would say, just normal people who are part of the cannabis community. It was just such a good vibe. And then this, the whole festival itself was all just like local growers people who are outside of the legal market um, coming together. And then just, of course, people who love to smoke weed. Like a lot of people came to the event um, despite the rain. That was so fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. Especially like, hey, these are our states and areas where uh, weed has been widely accepted for many, many years. So it's not it's not the hash bash vibe anymore where we're like looking over our shoulder, like, Oh, Hey, can we actually go and celebrate as a community? All of these people could have just stayed at home on their couch, smoked some weed and been like, Hey, cool. Let's order some food. And I love that they all came out, all got in the rain, all there for that sense of community and like to try some, you know, thousand milligram edibles or whatever is available. And, um, it, it's nice to have that reminder that this is where all of this came from when I can, go to the dispensary and some of my favorite weed is now only available as like pre-packed eights in like a fancy mylar bag. It's just like, you know, when, when it feels like we're kind of getting away from that grassroots, it's nice to be remembered that like, it's still around, it still exists. Like these people are still doing the thing. And sometimes all you need to do is look for the friendly guy in some tie dye and just go talk to that person. Honestly, I couldn't agree more. Um, it, I feel like I needed it. Cause I've been really, you know, living in the city, going to industry stuff, just hustle, hustle. And it was actually nice. It was so nice to just remember like the roots, how it all started, the people. 
and just the vibe, the vibe was right. 10 out of 10 vibe was right. Um, I loved the team so much. So I reached out to a few of the folks that were on this Guinness book of world records, world's biggest joint team. And so I'm going to throw some clips in here of some of my interviews with them talking about what the experience was like, um, to try to memorialize this like moment in cannabis history. Yeah, yeah, very cool. You know, we got to uh, experience our own little 420 story, so it's nice to share others. I, I really like this smoking spot thing we're doing lately where it's it's maybe less about like where you're sitting down and actually smoking a joint, but what what is the, the thing about this that's made it into a memory? Uh, good or bad, you know, um, and it, it's all around cannabis. And, you know, when you've been kicking around for 20 years in the industry like we have, like you tend to collect some pretty cool stories. It's It's so true. Yeah, let's keep making those and not turn this into like a corporate holiday where I go to Target and they're like, did you get your 420 cards this year? <laughs> I don't know. I, I live for the day where Target gives you a free pre-roll with purchase, but we all know it's going to be shit, but that's cool. <laughs> you know, we, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, um, but just how many like brands are trying to capitalize on cannabis being so like open um, the amount of 420 emails I got, maybe I mentioned this on the podcast before, but it was pretty ridiculous. Jimmy John's, Jack in the Box, Savage Fenty, like anyone who could just sort of be like, hey, stoners, we know today's your day, um, was trying to sell something. So it's it's kind of crazy that we're, we're at this point now. With that, I noticed this year um, a lot of people were explaining what 420 is because to the novice who doesn't really know is kind of like, I guess this is a thing. So what is it? Um, and I, I think it's kind of cool that this story, which was has been passed around for years, has finally been like verified and checked and like journalists have like interviewed the, the friends who put this all together. Um, if you're not totally clear on the history of 420, you can go look into the story. But the, the rough version of it is um, uh, a group of kids at this high school in California used to meet at this uh, statue after school uh, to go and smoke. And one of them had a, a treasure map to a weed grow. And so it turned into a thing. It's like, hey, let's meet up and smoke, but let's also go and try and like track down this, this weed for this treasure map. And I, I don't know if they ever did find the treasure map weed, but the 420 uh, routine definitely became like ingrained in their friendship group. And then several of these friends went and worked on the Grateful Dead tour. And we all know the dead is like where Chem 91 or the Chem, uh, Chem Dog herb came from. So that scene had a lot to do with like the birthplace of, of cannabis culture. Uh, and 420 was part of that. So like the roadies would all get together and smoke at 420. And then as the dead traveled through the States and they have this pretty insular group of fans, uh, it just became a popular thing. And then that's why pre-internet, we all knew a little bit about 420. Maybe it was the day that you go and smoke. Maybe that was when you tried to light up a joint after soccer practice or whatever. Uh, but it, it was kind of cool seeing that story become like verified and, and notes from the friends and they're all still talking about it. And it's, it's something that is like no longer just seems like a rumor, but like an actual real story that we can trace the roots back to. Oh my God. Yeah. Because I feel like there's this, the 420 
where where it came from the beginnings there's so many like crazy folk tales about it in the industry so this is i would argue that this is probably the greatest breakthrough of modern cannabis is to actually have the true version and that i did not know that that sounds the realist wow yeah Yeah, i mean chalk it up to all these other like strain stories where we're trying to track down where uh you know, OG came from or the Josh D OG or you know, just, just all of these, any of the strain stories where that have kind of been lost to time and now things are are flexible enough that we could talk about it without fear of going to jail or whatever. Wow. Well, holy shit. That my mind is blown. Right. Well, let's hope that this uh holiday, let's call it, has inspired lots of other stories. I know we have people from the joint um, that we want to get in here and slot in. Is there anything you want to say before we get those in? Uh happy belated 420. Um, and uh just to congratulations to the team for pulling it off at Thornton Park. And I had my doubts because it was a big project, but Dale, the organizer, just believed in it from the beginning and he put together a really great group of people that I'm very stoked to have met under such exciting, historic circumstances. So I'm just very grateful that I got to be a part of it. I'm Dale Rook from World Stoners Lounge. The idea and the event of the world's largest joint was brought upon by a simple conversation with Dano Willocks from Toothless Genetics. If he came with me to the Canna Cup in Vancouver, the Live 42, I would go with him to the Unicorn Cup and participate in that one. So this is how it all stemmed. I'm, I thought to myself, we need to get some excitement here. They're all the same, but different. It, it has a consistency that's pretty much the same throughout most most can of cups. I looked up uh, the world's largest joint, which was done by Tony Greenhand at the time, 60 pounds. I, I, I'm going to beat him. I'm going to beat him. The uh, caption I read there, though, is that he ended up smoking it himself. Now, I took that to heart as, oh, my God, are you kidding me? You didn't share that with everyone? So now, now I had a mission. And and with this mission, I thought, let's go 65 pounds to beat them, plus share it with everyone. So we all experience what what just went on here. And this is this is how it it became. I'm Dano, um, also known as Alberta Gondrepreneur and Toothless Genetics. Uh, I love to grow my own medicine. Uh, I've been growing and uh, growing marijuana and doing activism for 25, 30 years. I just turned 51 this year. People say, well, why are you protesting? Why do you still need activism? Well, there's a lot of things that still need to change. Like a lot of our my friends, some of the guys are still in jail, you know, for simple possession or trafficking, nothing major. Um, so the rules like that, personal possession rules, uh, plant count rules, you know, right now four per household 
unless you're medical, isn't really, you know, fair. Uh, it's a monopoly, right? So don't get me started on that. Yeah, I, I, I love everything to do uh, regarding the plants, uh, the medicine, the, 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 the edible part of it, the growing part of it, um, and uh, the recreational part of it, of course. Uh, if it wasn't for that part of it, we wouldn't have been uh, in Vancouver attempting a crazy world record. <laughs> I'm right. half of TT. And I am Juana Lagroa, the other half of Tea Time with Mary and Juana. Basically, we started our page because we saw a lot of people looking for edibles or something to smoke. They didn't have the money for it. And we just wanted to help out some other people. And uh, Dale, he was on our page and he came on there on New Year's Eve and invited us to be part of the world's largest joint and uh we could not say no to that opportunity no it's pretty big <laughs> i met dale oh almost two and a half years ago i think and he helped me start growing he sent me some genetics and he supported us quite a bit he sent us our first banner he sent us t-shirts all the time like he was pretty good to us yeah so he he's instrumental we were a very very small page our page is private and so it was just kind of a miracle really well hello everybody my name is fred bell i live in calgary alberta i operate a store in airdrie alberta called alberta growers and beyond 420 i was introduced to mr dale rook a few years ago through the world stoners lounge and, uh, I don't know, local community stuff through the Calgary cannabis scene. He's a good soul who's happened to draw together a big collection of people from all over North America to make the world's largest joint. 63 pounds, 29 feet long. Like, how can you not have a good day at that in Vancouver, you know? Vancouver 420 was pretty epic for us, for us all, even though it was wet and rainy. We made the best out of the situation at hand. And I will say it was hazy and blazy and cloudy. <laughs> hey, my name is Colin Scott, also known as Dad Jesus to Most. Um, I came into the Calgary Cannabis Club probably around 2017, maybe early 18. It ended up uh, really putting in a lot of volunteer work to help the community here in Calgary kind of grow and like Vancouver is up to date on all their like lounges and stuff so we were kind of trying to start something like that here in Calgary but also just a safe hub for everybody to smoke at. I got pulled into the world's biggest joint from Dale Rook. Um, we have a show every Saturday at 7 that we started about 2 and a half years ago called uh, High AF Happy Hour <laughs> but I got asked to come on down to Vancouver to roll the world's biggest joint and I was like I am honored to be able to try it or be a part of it. Hi I'm Jolene from Blends and Beans and I'm Alexis from Camp Canada. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> <laughs> okay 
Hi, we're Alexis and Jolene, co-founders of Blends and Beans and Cam Canna. My favorite part was watching people come out and be like, is that the joint? Because it was raining, so it was under tent, under a tarp, under another tarp, like all bundled in like a little baby swaddled. And so people would come out and be like, is, is that it? Can I see it? And then you'd like open the baby swaddle for them and they'd be like, oh, that's the cutest baby. Meanwhile, I thought it looked like a dead body. <laughs> when they were transporting it to the venue, they had just had it in the back of a truck, like in two pieces still. And um, to me, like in the picture, if you didn't know better, you would think <laughs> it was like two bodies just rolled up in the back of this truck. <laughs> it was large, quite large, indeed. Um, 63 pounds large. <laughs> Some would say the largest. Even the Vancouver Police Department, when they showed up, knowing full well that our, our uh, possession limits are only 30 grams per person, and we have a 65-pound joint sitting in the back of a truck getting ready to be displayed, they had to pose. Once we unloaded that, they posed. Two police officers posing with the joint and one police officer taking a picture because even to them, this was one of the most incredible things that they've ever seen. Uh, you know, it, uh, it, it, it gave me butterflies to watch this, you know, nervousness, but butterflies, right? The adventure itself, though, it, it was an up and down climb, mountains, minor hills. It, it was an adventure. But uh, as, it, as it came along, say January, everything was shipped down to Vancouver, readying itself for April. Things were coming together, tried to get a practice joint going. An extra 65 pounds of pot came in, came in moldy, which went straight to the garbage, which kind of eliminated our practice joint. So we were going at this blind, basically, we all had no idea what we were doing. I'm running off an idea and a theory, which I'm going to tell you the team came together as, as one and we, we conquered this. We absolutely conquered it. I was actually pretty surprised with how easy it was to roll. I was, I was envisioning like a, like a marathon of like terribleness because I can't really roll a joint. <laughs> And, uh, Honestly, anyway. it went exactly how I was expecting it to go and how I was envisioning it was going to go, like, right down to the little tuck, like it's a giant log of cinnamon roll. It was pretty good. Like, we definitely stood around smoking a lot more weed than we did actually rolling the joint, <laughs> transporting it. Like, it had to go 45 minutes in the back of the truck. Like, that's a pretty good way. And for the joint, it could have settled right out, you know? Like, there's a lot of things that could have went down on the drive, especially in the rain, so. In my mind, I was like, okay, we got one shot at this thing to get it. without tearing anything. So that was my big worry. But then going into it, seeing how it was going, I was kind of like, ah, oh, okay, we've got room for error. But we, we still had a plan. We still follow through with that plan, but a few things always change with plans, right? So you never know exactly what's, what kind of roadblock you're going to hit. 
So being prepared for that, that's, uh, that's probably the best thing you can do. Well, first off, there was a little bit of information that people might not be aware of. We got robbed. A lot of the things we needed were in that trailer. So it didn't, it wasn't going to plan. The plan was being made up as we breathed, as we walked, as we had more people show up to Surrey and Vancouver. It just all fell together. The Monday prior to 420, which was on a Thursday, all our equipment, all our pot, everything was stolen. We had nothing. All we had were 300 feet of rolling paper, three gallons of glue, and a roach tip. Now, this was 6.30 in the morning on, on the Monday. My next thing was, what do I do? Do I cancel this? Part of the team has already went to Vancouver. I started making phone calls, and lots of them. By one o'clock that afternoon, we had another 65 pounds of pot. We, we, we were short a lot of equipment, a lot of different things. But the team once again came together and let's conquer it anyways. Let's do this. And it, it worked out. I think the cutest thing out of the entire event was like how every single time you would look over at Dale, he would be like a little kid, like living his dream. His face was just like happy that he was smiling all day long. And like organizing people in the cannabis industry is enough to make you want to like out. But like <laughs> he was like so chill with it and like took the like literally rolled with the front trailer with all the weed in it got stolen. Like he had to come up with this weed like twice. You know, and instead of being stressed and, like, allowing that to bleed out to any of the team, he was literally, like, the happiest person of all time. And that was just, like, beautiful to see this, like, older man looking like a child, like, grinning. Like, he's at an amusement park for the first time in his entire life. Like, that was the coolest thing. <laughs> for me, I think the experience of rolling that giant doobie with, alongside a dozen other people... Yeah was pretty amazing and to see it actually come to fruition after all of this time and talk and especially with the couple of hiccups with stuff being stolen and stuff it was just great to see it actually come together and work out there was some skepticism out there um, by people all over the internet i guess and um, we showed them so it was great. I actually think that was one of the funnest things about the people who came. Like no one was just, it's all just like local people in the cannabis community doing cool stuff. Like everyone who was involved wasn't like, you know, cookies. It was just like normal people who work in the industry who just love weed. So I think that's actually what made it like really, it was like rolled with love. It's actually quite special. Something that was really nice was that like the majority of the team that rolled it, like it had to be like such a good teamwork exercise. And we had like never met people. You know what I mean? Like there's people that have like literally never met. I barely know your name. And we work together like so well. I feel like that's just like part of the stoner community is being able to like jump in and work as a collective, like when you need to. And I think that that definitely like, 
called true like during the rolling during the event keeping the vibe high like we could have been miserable in the freezing cold Vancouver weather but we were all like pretty high spirits and excited and everybody's working together and it was good good. after that everything just fell into place we had people from Portland people from Ontario people from Saskatchewan people from Alberta people from British Columbia um it was crazy cool to meet everybody um names took me about a day or two to remember just when everybody was saying goodbye the name started to stick in my head <laughs> i thought it was quite awesome that the only vehicles allowed on the grass was for the crew that was uh, bringing that big ass joint down to vancouver to roll the cops were impressed with the size and everything there was no issues with them they were all smiles and just bumping everybody it was a great day, honestly. Got to meet many, many, many people. And some I remember by their names, some I remember by what they were wearing. Uh, I was very much a very medicated individual. Watching that bad boy get lit was very memorable. Um, I never once made it to the other end of the joint. I stayed down where it was blazing. Like I didn't think we were gonna be able to actually light it up. It did light up a bit. Not as much as I wanted it to, but it did light and it did smoke. Like, people got to try it out and get a little puff off of it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I was, uh, unfortunately, I was at the end that was being lit with the torch, so it was hot. Because <laughs> it was cold out, so it was kind of nice to be up at the front where that big cherry was, warming your hands up to that massive heater. <laughs> it was a long, cold day in that rain you're just soaked to the bone and it takes a lot out of you but we pursued it and we went and it was a lot of rain we kept the doobies going non-stop trying to you know make the humidity a little lower but <laughs> it wasn't really working no. I think meeting everybody was probably my favorite part of it of everything yeah, regardless of the rain, lots of people came. It's crazy how far people traveled, like some from Ontario, Alberta. The majority of the team, I'd say, weren't and it from was so cold. Yeah, there was a lot of people. And like considering it was raining, a cold, heavy rain, not your usual beautiful Vancouver rain. It would have been cool if the weather would have cooperated. But I don't know if you've seen a lot of our videos. You'll see a the tarps hitting our heads and stuff. What those tarps were used for, that was our irrigation highway. So the middle was the joint, and then the tarps were over top of us hanging, and every once in a while, some guy would go here and dump the water there and vice versa, and we would go forward and backward, like, because you saw where the tents connected, there was always a little bit of drippage. That's how we, uh, ingenuity, that's how we were able to keep that joint dry until we lit it. An it hour didn't and a half end up burning for over an hour and a half. Yeah, the crutch was a little too thick, so it was sticking out quite a bit by the end. But it, it burned pretty good. I was surprised. There were some moments where, you know, it got pushed a little too far down the table and some weed fell out, but she burned. I actually thought, like, for me, that was one of the, like, endearing moments of the whole event is when everyone would shout down the 30-foot table and be like, okay, bring it up a foot. And then everyone would grab the tarp and just slide it so gently forward. And it was just like, like, the whole thing was just such a good vibe. 
The highlight for me, 420, probably would have been meeting and rolling the world's biggest joint with all these people from from coast to coast and from states. Like it was insane that the amount of people that came out from around just even the country together just to roll the world's biggest joint, like bottled my mind, bottled. Well, there's a few things that Dale. Um, put in place and engineered that if he didn't bring that science into it, we wouldn't have had success. I don't want to uh, give too many secrets away because, you know, there's some proprietary information there. So we want to keep that to our team. So other people don't try and duplicate what we did. I think it's going to be pretty hard, even though we made it look easy. None of us knew each other. It's all like we were family and friends, believe it, right? You know, we we met, hey, I'm Dan, hey, I'm Amanda. And it's like we knew each other for 15, 20 years. We were one pretty fucking cool team rolling the goddamn world's biggest joint. That's a, that's a feat in itself, man. Well, you know something? There's one individual, and I must say his name. John Burfellow. This fella was jumping pretty much yelling at the top of his lungs, explaining, you just fulfilled a lifelong dream. And it was, it was so electric. I, I don't know how to feel. It was just the most, one of the most incredible moments, other than the joint itself, it, it, it is, in it in itself was absolutely incredible. Tens of thousands of people standing in the pouring rain and happy about it. It's, it's, it was incredible, incredible. I, uh, you know, to explain it precisely, a, a person really can't. I've been part of the cannabis community in Calgary and area for over 20 years. I've worked in the industry for a long time. And to see this happen, to think that a bunch of people from Calgary, Toronto, Washington, Portland, to think that we all came together from all walks of life and did something that I never—I honestly thought maybe Vancouver might actually have a record on that already, but they didn't. And I mean, I think it's pretty awesome that uh, Dale set this all up uh, just to see that the community bonded around a legacy market experience like that. You know, the rec market is the rec market. The medical market is the medical market. They call, they call the legacy market the black market, but I prefer legacy because they've always been the ones there to help us throughout everything that we go through. And as a medical patient of 20 years, I've been licensed since 2001 for medicinal marijuana. I deal with massive chronic pain and nerve issues. And I'm just, truthfully, I'm just super happy to see that so many still understand and follow the legacy market. I mean, so many jumped the other way, but and I appreciate those that stood beside us before, but those that are still standing with us now, I truly applaud because with legalization, everybody says it's legal, let's just get it done. Well, there's no reasonable access for patients, and that's my biggest fight right there, is we can't go into a medical dispensary city by city, town by town. You can only order from one place in Ottawa. So for me, to be with everybody down there at that event and to hear others talk about medical journeys and medical experiences, it just strengthens my stance as an activist to keep keep up the fight. You know, reasonable access, low barrier access, you know, all of this is going to help 
change the stance for medical people, and that's that's why I keep fighting. The experience itself was pretty neat. It was pretty crazy to to have everybody come in and ask us questions. Um, you know, looking at that thing, uh, two thirteen foot sections, uh, pretty much. It was game on for us. Everybody was smiling, high fiving. The smoke was flying at 420 when they lit the joint. Live music, Afro Man, Mercules, Empire Papers, Kyle at Empire Papers. If it wasn't for them and that neat little roll of 24 uh, inch paper and some glue. Well, going to the Afro Man show afterwards, like I got to get Afro Man high at his own show. Like I was quite happy with that. I handed him a joint live on stage and it was. To think, you know, you don't think that you're going to get to see your idols and watch them smoke with you. And next thing you know, they're smoking with you. It was truly awesome. I was 100% happy as hell. It was really epic, though, that, uh, you know, we got to be besties with you across the country through cannabis. And it continually brings us together in different shapes and forms. And that's a blessing. It takes serious passion to dream a dream and then see it to fruition. And those are my kind of people. To myself, it still feels like a dream. I can't believe it actually came out the way it did. It's, it's amazing. It, it's, it's something that you'll experience it once in a lifetime. I'm hoping to experience it three times. Our, our next one will be 80 pounds. Uh, much different though, much more engineered. Uh, and once again, one more practice joint. Yeah, the, the final joint will be 100 pounds. That's, that's my goal. And let's do that. So shout out to Dale, World Stoners Lounge. <laughs> Fuck you to genetics. The whole rolling team. They're fucking amazing. And where can people find you guys? They can find us at Tea Time with Mary and Juana. We do infused cannabis, cannabis infused teas. Um, green tea, black tea, herbal teas, all of that. And a bunch of other little treats too that we get do giveaways for on our page to share the love we're getting ready to go to uh camp canna in the summer with those girls the blunts and beans girls other than that just looking forward to the future um and a possible another world record to break well at the moment uh you know, uh, I'll be present at the Grow Up in Edmonton uh, at the beginning of May. Uh, after that, I'll be at the Unicorn Cup in Selmo, British Columbia, on August the 18th to the 20th. Then I'll be at Camp Canna. Also, you can find me on Instagram under Fuck You Two Genetics and World Stoners Lounge. Uh, the goal is to open up consumption lounges across the nation for everyone this way here they have a safe place you know bring even more together every saturday at seven mountain standard time high as fuck happy hour uh invite your friends tell your grandma uh as 
as many of you may know, and maybe some of you may not know, we've had a lot of grandmas winning our show. So, like, tell everybody, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your stoner friends, tell your grandma the Mike Toe. Like, we give stuff away every weekend. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And then you can also follow us on Instagram and TikTok. Toothless Genetics on Instagram. Alberta Gondrepreneur on Instagram. I bring high quality, uh, high dose products to patients. Stuff like 1,000 milligrams packages, yeah, 1,600 milligram packages. It's really hard for patients to get what they need from the stores. You know, the government's supposed to provide uh, reasonable access. I still question that word reasonable because, again, the monopoly, the rules in the stores, the amounts, you know, if I want to buy more than an ounce, I got to leave the store and then I got to come back. You will find me on either my Facebook page under Fred Bell or you will find me on Instagram under Pastor Doobie or Fred Bell or Beyond 420. Uh, word of mouth is what I use the most right now and we're doing good. Perfect. You can find us at Blunts and Beans on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok or at Camp underscore Canna on Instagram. Well, if you're online, you can check out bluntsandbeans.ca or campcanna.ca. Tickets are now on sale for Camp Canna 2023 going down August 18th to 20th. This is going to be an epic, one-of-a-kind weekend for the cannabis community. Bam, bam, bam. Send a matter, work and a pain. And anguish life may bring you. Oh, smoke it up, hold it down, and don't ever stop. Well, you can always find your smoking spot. Yeah, you can always find your smoking spot.